Good morning, everyone. I've got a question to ask. Do you want to be a ninja? Terran and Lido will tell you how. They can't do it themselves because they're not that strong. This is the American Ninja Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Ninja Warrior Hap Up Podcast. I'm your host, Taryn Armstrong, and with me today is Lita. How you doing, Lita? I'm okay. I'm sad. It's our last podcast of the season. Yes, it is. We are here to talk about the finale of season 10 of American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, and then what? We're going to have to do the Robin Akiva model of Robin <laughs> Akiva Need a Podcast. Uh, how are, how is that going for them? Um, I, it seems to be uh, going well. I haven't listened to all of them. I listened to the uh, music videos one because I'm interested in that topic. That's the problem is that we got to find something that all American Ninja Warrior listeners are also interested in because people only listen to it if they like the topic. Mm, I feel like uh, we don't ever really have a topic, though. Like we do lightly <laughs> touch on Ninja Warrior, but... Yeah, that's true. We can just do car models and dinosaurs. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but we are here today to talk about the finale of season 10 of American Ninja Warrior. And uh, that's it. Season 10. It's in the books. And uh, I'm... It, it didn't seem all that different from season nine. <laughs> yeah, um, the $100,000 giveaway was the least dramatic thing I have ever seen. They could not have made less of a deal out of that. Yeah, uh, you know, this, same same problem with Big Brother where it's like the show, like the show crowns a winner. And then it's like, all right, guys, thanks for watching for the last three months and all of your free time. Mm hmm. Over immediately. Uh, it's like, that's basically what happened here. Yeah, but uh, as satisfying as it could possibly be without having a winner, right? I yeah, mean, I guess so. if we had to pick anyone to win some money, I think this is uh, who we wanted. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it though. Let's, let's talk, uh, first about stage two, where we start here, uh, and also spend, uh, an hour and a half of the two hour episode on, um, <laughs> yes. So stage two, got some new obstacles here. It starts with the epic catch and release, which I felt was uh, way too wordy here. Was it actually called the epic catch and release? Yes, as opposed to the regular catch and release, the epic catch and release. Okay. Did you do you think it earned that descriptor? No. Okay. <laughs> it was it was not that epic. Not that epic. Uh, basically you're holding on to like a big pole, uh, that's, uh, that's got like, it's like hung, uh, by chains or something. And then you have to swing on it and lock it into, uh, you know, some sort of catch and release thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. An epic um, catch and release thing. Yes. And then, uh, go over to the next one and release it from the catch and release thing and then swing over and dismount, uh, onto the platform uh you know it was fine there's a lot of like trapeze work on this stage too it seemed like the first couple obstacles where it's just a lot of swinging from things yeah 
we then go straight into the crisscross salmon ladder that we saw last year. Uh, you go up a couple rungs, you transfer over to the other side, you go up a couple more rungs, you transfer back, and then you go across to another new obstacle called Deja Vu, uh, which is a very uh, <laughs> intricate uh, sort of obstacle here. You have to grab onto a pole that's suspended by, again, some sort of rope uh, or chain or something. Um, and it's it's uh, it's suspended on a, on a hook and you have to uh, detach it from like uh, get, get it off of the hook. And then it swings across uh, and you have to hook it in to a, a new place that it swings across to and then transfer it to another pole that will again, if you dismount from it, uh, swing you back uh, the other way. Uh, it's very uh, crisscrossy and complicated, but eventually you uh, you end up dismounting onto uh, the landing platform. Yes. Nailed it. Could not have said yeah. it possibly more concisely. There you go. Then we have the swing surfer, which we saw last year as well. You have to jump across to the big pendulum in the middle, uh, you know, then jump uh, across to the rope and climb up. Then we have Wingnut Alley that we also saw last year. Uh, it did seem uh, did it seem like there were less of them this time? I think there were. Um, no, I think it was the same number, but uh, they might have been slightly closer together or something. I thought that the main difference was that it didn't look like there was that plexiglass there anymore. Um, yeah. I could be wrong, but that should make it slightly easier. Not that it helped anybody, but uh, because last year they had like this plastic on the back of it. So you couldn't wrap your hands around it. And I think mm -hmm. that that was gone this time. And that was the only difference. Well, there definitely wasn't any uh, glass there. So, you know. That's that's definitely one of the changes. It did. It's, it's there's something different about it, but I didn't quite catch exactly what it was. I think it was the same number, though. I think there's what yeah. four of them. Um. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. Wing, wing that alley, and then finally the water walls, which is a replacement for the previous final obstacle in stage two, uh, which is basically the same concept where you have to lift or pull, uh, you know, three heavy, heavy walls. Uh, but this time you have to do it underwater, um, and so that's going to be a, a significant difference here for one of our athletes. Uh, and for all of this, there is a four minute and thirty second time limit on stage two. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we should talk about our response to the uh, water walls now or later, but uh, not pleased. I'll just say in general, I know I've mentioned it before. I'm just, I'm not pleased in the direction that stage two has gone in, in the last few years where like a four minute and 30 second time limit is crazy. That is, that's too much. That's not what stage two is about. Mm -hmm. Like stage two should be a speed course. That's that's what it should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, like stage one is barely a speed course anymore. Uh, the, the time limit is is enough that, you know, they're taking rests before obstacles and and all of this stuff. And, you know, stage two, I, I believe, you know, even even removing the Sasuke portion of the, you know, A&W one through three or whatever, uh, take the very first American Ninja Warrior course that they did in Vegas. I believe the time limit was something like a minute and something for yeah. stage two and uh and and now it is four minutes and 30 seconds uh i it just 
I feel like this is contributing to what we're going to talk about as a, as a whole for this season, which is like a disappointing finish. It's just, this is just not the right way to handle stage two. This shouldn't be the place where we lose almost all of our competitors. Stage two should be, or at least stage two in Sasuke is like, the it is like a proving ground for like all the people that made it through stage one but in sasuke you lose most people in stage one and then you generally lose a few people along the way in stage two uh you really weed out the the best uh the, or the worst of the people who finish stage one and then you get the bulk of your really good competitors in stage three who all fail in stage three that's i think that's what people want to see it's definitely what i want to see i know i've seen a lot of uh, a lot of other disappointment with the season where it's like when only two people make it to stage three that's generally a disappointment you you want to see you want to see more of stage three stage three is supposed to be very ominous and it's hard to it's hard to even be ominous when there are only two people who who attempt it you know like we want to see this thing take down a bunch of people uh but uh you know we'll, we'll continue to talk about it as we go along yeah i mean it makes it so that the whole episode is stage two and then stage three is like a little postscript tacked on to the end of it when that should really be the main event, especially when in the last two years, four out of five of the people who have gotten there have gone out on the same obstacle on stage three. Like the more athletes you have on stage three, the more variants you're going to see there. So I would, or did both Sean and Najee go out on ultimate cliffhanger? Either way, like a majority of them. So you want to see people go out on different parts of the course. That's what makes it fun. It's not just stage ultimate cliffhanger. Yeah. I mean, in the last two years, we've seen a total of five people take on stage three and four of them have gone out on the cliffhanger. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> too much. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just like, it, it's too much of the same. I think mm -hmm. uh, where like stage two feels like stage three, where all of the athletes, there is no, there's no rush. Uh, unless you're gonna have a major hang up on stay on the water walls, uh, you know, uh, there, there's no reason to rush to this stage. Most of the athletes are taking a good 30 seconds to rest before Wingnut Alley. Uh, and, and that's just like that. What's the difference between that and stage three? It's the same course essentially yeah. like uh you know what i mean like these kinds of obstacles should be on stage three i think and uh you know it's uh, it just doesn't it doesn't feel right yeah i no disagreements here yeah all right. So sorry to start, start off on a, on a bummer here, but uh, I think in general, this was kind of a disappointing finish for the season. Um, and I, and I kind of want to pinpoint why, uh, but we'll have, we'll have some fun with it as well on the way. Um, we started with Josh Salinas, the 27 year old ninja trainer. Uh, and uh, I did like his package. Um, you know, he, he talked about, uh, he could use, uh, or Matt talked about, he could use the money because he's about to get married to his high school sweetheart. Um, they were, they were on the cheerleading team together. Uh, he always listens for, uh, for his, uh, fiance Chelsea when he's on the course. They're, they're very adorable. I'm surprised you liked this. You know, uh, we started the episode off with it. I wasn't tired of uh, packages <laughs> yet. Um, I just thought the, it was, it was cute. They were talking about each other. They love each other. Hmm. Yeah. I I love romance, but this was uh I was just like, "Ugh, good for you. Great. Some I'm so glad this works out for some people." So bitter. <laughs> I am so bitter. My note on this is this is sweet and gross. 
I'm very happy for them. I'm also blind with jealous rage, as always, when people are engaged to each other. Mm, well, uh, the big dog ninja is uh, hanging out with his family on the sidelines and it, it, he makes them look tiny. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that we got a big dog ninja shout out. That's all I really needed out of this finale. Mm, they mentioned he's one of the heavier athletes of the night at 170 pounds. Jeez, small field. Yeah. Uh, so he gets through uh, the first couple obstacles uh, all the way through Deja Vu. He looks a little shaky on his grip, but he manages to get through. Uh, and then here we go. He makes it to Wingnut Alley with about two minutes and 30 seconds left. This is where he fell last year. And this is kind of the moment of truth, I think, for the episode as a whole of like, is this going to be just as impossible as it was last time? And the answer is Yes, um, he uh, he's he, he, despite the fact that he was working on the obstacle all through the off off season, uh, he ends up losing his grip on the third wing nut and just flips right off of it. Uh, he's happy he made it one wing nut further, but uh, but this is the end of Josh's season. Yes, one additional wing nut. If all goes as planned, in two years he'll finish them. Exactly. He'll just keep going one more. Uh, we then get a montage starting with Nicholas Coolridge, uh, who had a, a brief period of getting shown on the episodes. Uh, now is going better to be than some again. people here on stage too. Yes, I will point out we do see every single run either uh, you seeing it in full or through uh, it being montaged, or there was, of course, one commercial run. We see every single one of the thirty runners because. Uh, that's all they, they you know, <laughs> what else are they going to do? They didn't have to dedicate much time to stage three, so yeah. they had a lot of extra time. Um, so we start with Nicholas Coolidge. This is his third straight stage two attempt, and he is knocked out again by the crisscross salmon ladder where he went out last year. Uh, Tyler Gillette is up next. They call him the dream chaser, but his run was turned into a nightmare on Deja Vu. And then Casey Suhaki, the guy with the grandpa, saved himself on Deja Vu, but then got knocked out shortly after. Um, so uh, this is this immediately was like, oh, man, montages are so weird when everyone is important. And yeah. like, seeing them means they definitely failed. Yeah, their season's over. <laughs> yeah, it's just like just cross them. Nick, Nicholas, Tyler, Casey, all, they're all done. Yep, goodbye. Right. But hey, Casey's now the guy with the grandpa and the wife. It's true. But mostly the grandpa. Okay. Next up is Daniel Gill, 25 years old. He's wearing goggles and has his hair pulled back. Very confident here. Yeah, the people wearing goggles. Um, I mean, I guess it's a good move. But also, I always find that like when you have goggles on your head, they feel really tight and that would be distracting. Mm. There is, this is uh, this is like the Babe Ruth, like they're calling their shot. Uh, you know, I'm I'm making it through the wing nuts. I'm getting to the water walls or I'm going to fall in the water and don't want it to get in my eyes. But they won't have time <laughs> to put the goggles on before they fall. Depends how high they fall from. Um, so, uh, you know, this, uh, I was like, this is not great for, for, uh, Daniel Gill here. This is, uh, only the second shown run. This is probably not going to be good. Although, you know, you never, maybe, maybe everyone does well. Maybe when we were starting with Daniel, maybe a lot of people are going to finish. Um, <laughs> is that which, really again, what you thought? <laughs> well, look, in Sasuke, the, in Sasuke, most people finish stage two. I think stage two has a, a really high completion rate in Sasuke. And so it's like the first person that goes might complete 
complete it. Uh, or in the second person that goes might not, and, and, you know, so on and so forth. But um, he ends up getting a little bit hung up here on the catch and release. Takes a couple tries to uh, to get the pull to release. And then... Um, when he goes on to Deja Vu, uh, basically it, part of Deja Vu, after you tr- uh, swing the first bar up onto the hook, when you're transferring to the second bar, uh, there's a little hop that you have to go. There's, it's like double hooked. There's, there's one hook going one way and then another hook below it going the other way. So once you grab onto the pole, you have to, you know, jump it a little bit and, uh, and get it onto the lower hook. But instead, Daniel, uh, just reached over and pulled it up and over onto the lower hook, uh, before go, uh, you know, transferring both hands over, which I thought was a very good strategy. Um, although later on, I'm going to kind of reconsider that, uh, because what ends up happening, uh, although Akbar does say, this is what I call finesse authority from Daniel Gill. Finesse authority. Yeah. Who has the authority? Who is the authority on finesse? Daniel Gill. Now officially, but it seems like he just earned that title. I want to know who it is, if it's maybe Akbar and he's bequeathing it to him. No, I think Akbar is saying this is I've been telling you guys for ages now. <laughs> Daniel Gill is the authority on finesse. OK, I thought it might have been Bruno Mars because of that song. No, okay. because I don't know what it is. Oh, because um, you've never heard that song. That can't be. OK, got it. Yeah, I would be aware of the it has, it has your finesse. favorite pop star Cardi B. Yeah. You know who she is now and that makes her your I favorite. I do. I think I I think I tried listening to her music though and I wasn't a fan. All right. Well, she threw a shoe at Nicki Minaj this week, so that was big news. Yeah, that doesn't really seem like my scene. <laughs> I can't imagine why not. Um so uh so like so he does he 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 does this thing. He gets over to the second bar, but when he goes to unhook the second bar, he gets uh he gets a little stuck. He gets one side hung up and then he just kind of falls into the water. And I think what happened here is that because he didn't do the little hop from the first one, um he didn't know how much force he needed to unhook it on the second one and so that ended up screwing him over because there was no bottom hook to fall back on if he messed up the first thing so like if he had if he had jumped from the first one he would have been like okay and he had messed that one up and one side was still hooked in it would have been fine it would have been just slightly off he could have jumped the other one over and then he would have been like okay now i know how much force i need but instead when one falls down uh his hands end up slipping and uh and down he goes into the water uh you know but you know the hair and the goggles they do still kind of work yeah it's, into the water. honestly it's just a good look that's true i think I, yeah and i i still think that we are uh, a haircut is imminent for daniel gill it's, it's possible i think it'll happen <laughs> Um, so then we get, uh, we get a recap, um, before the next segment of all of how many, look how many vets have fallen. This, this, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, uh, Joe Morovsky, uh, you know, David Campbell, uh, James McGrath, look at all these people that have fallen on the course. Uh, and this really, uh, to me, I was like, this just feels so much like they're preparing us like this, this season just, it wasn't for vets. It's it's all about the new the new kids mm-hmm. on the block. And I was like, this is all this has to they, they have to be preparing us for a kid victory here. Um, I, I, I felt it. Yeah. And you uh, you screwed me over in our mini draft. 
<laughs> I, I bought into it. You were too convincing. This is all a long con for me to take him first in the in the draft over Sean Bryan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we then got another montage. It's just a one person montage just to really rub it in. Uh, so mad. I typed in all cast them. They montage Chris. Damn them. Two weeks in a row. They montage Chris. He had this amazing comeback story and then we don't see him in Vegas. Yep. Uh, we even got like a mini package about it. Yeah. Um, before his montage run, which is kind of unique. Uh, but he got all the way to the wing nuts and unfortunately went down on the first transition. Uh, I don't know if I would have enjoyed watching him take on the water walls anyway. Um, so maybe this oh. is for the best, but who knows? Wow. Good point. Yeah. Maybe he threw it. Maybe he was like, I'll, I'll win next year when there's no being underwater. Hmm. Next up was Jake Murray, the 31-year-old ninja trainer. And man, we had plenty of time for Jake Murray. Uh, we had to... Uh, so, he started his stage one run pretending to be on a golf course. Uh, this is like the fifth time we've seen this on this episode alone. Um, and then uh, then he was on the course. He was going fast. He then got to the end of stage one. And what? He was... Was he going to do something else crazy? Oh, no. He was going to not do... It. Oh, then he did he jumped off again oh jake murray so important he was the fastest run of the night last week you mm, don't understand so a full full recap of stage one uh james J- jake murray and then uh he's going to go out on the first obstacle of stage two uh again v- very very important that we we saw all of this yeah, my mom told me that I should date jake murray because he would make me laugh and i want to make clear that jake murray does not make me laugh <laughs> I don't even have anything against Jake Murray. I just, I get so frustrated with how, like, overhyped he is yeah. on the show. And, like, how often we have to see recap. Like, I, I enjoy that he tries to entertain us on, on the course. I like that. I don't like that we then have to see it repeated ten times over on the show when we're montaging people like Chris Wolcheski. To me, he's just the guy with the bad car. And he always will be. <laughs> Well, uh, he uh, the the reason he went out on catch and release he he missed the first lock in and then uh, it took him another like five tries before he finally gets locked in and then gets hung up again on the second bar before finally dropping into the water. Next up was R J Roman, the twenty one year old musician. And we get a package from him about uh, how he has a skin disorder that causes him to lose pigment in certain patches of skin, which caused him to be bullied a lot as a kid. Yes, uh, I believe this is the same condition that Michael Jackson had. Um, I forgot to Google it, but uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and I don't know if that was maybe part of the bullying. I remember uh, Michael Jackson being very uh, polarizing when we were kids. I assume Roman's about RJ Roman is about my age. Um, so I don't know if that was part of it. But uh, yeah, kids are terrible and cruel. So I can see how this would lead to some bad experiences. Well, he turned to music as a kid and uh, grew to love the disorder. It makes him unique now. Um, they mentioned that he's one of eight rookies in stage two, and uh, he does get slightly hung up on catch and release, but uh, but he man- manages to get through. He uh, he does the best on the uh, the crisscross salmon ladder that we see all night. Uh, really, uh, the, really great technique. Uh, the 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 one where he flips over the bar, and so he's uh, he's holding it at his waist, and then he just kind of lifts his arms up 
to to get up the first three rungs. And then he uses that momentum to immediately transfer over to the second half, uh, skipping some rungs, uh, quickly turns around and gets back over. I'm pretty sure he he uh, completed this obstacle in the fastest time. Very, very fast through it. Uh, this was this is fun to watch. Akbar says, oh, he's doing some trickery, doing some trickery. And it's not even Halloween. <laughs> it's almost Halloween now almost yeah they were selling decorations at target today uh anyway um i am not buying that his uh they really try to push that he has fingertip strength because he plays the guitar and i do not play the guitar so i can't say for sure whether or not this is bunk but i can't imagine that that actually helps I mean, you probably got more finger strength than like the average person, but uh, definitely not nearly as much as a rock climber. Yeah, it seems like you would have maybe more fingertip like like callus, like strength, like you're they're tougher. But I don't know that it would give you more grip strength. But uh, again, I mean, you need to you need to like press down a lot. Yeah. Like there's something to it, just not 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 what they're talking <laughs> it's about. It's not appropriate training for American Ninja Warrior. I'm I'm yeah. not endorsing this as ninja training, is what I'm saying. Um, also, I love Matt's uh, comment. Is his shirt says "Shred that course" just like a musician shreds a song? Like, no, yeah, we got it, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Can you explain it, but like slower? I still don't get it. <laughs> Uh, he's only 5'7", but he does manage to get through the swing surfer. Um, he rests a bit before the wingnut starts them at about 2.15. Uh, one hand ends up pulling off on his first transition of the wingnut, uh, but he saves it, uh, but unfortunately not able to hold on for the second transition and is going to go down there on the wingnuts. I would have rather seen uh, this exact same run, but from Chris Wilczewski, if we're being honest here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then we get uh, another montage starting with Lucas Reale, the 19 year old. Uh, he had a, he learned a hard lesson on the crisscross salmon ladder. Then we saw Dan Polizzi. He came out hot, made a save on the deja vu before going out on the deja vu. And then Josh Levin, who I don't think we've seen a single one of Josh Levin's runs. What did he do season long to the producer? I'm pretty sure he hit three buzzers. And then took on stage two, made it all the way to the uh, wingnut alley and uh, just he made it to the final wingnut as well. Uh, but he just he, his grip gave out or something. Something unfortunate happened and he went down. But uh, probably one of the closest finisher, like probably uh, got further than I think uh, 26 other competitors on uh, stage two. And we didn't see a single run from Josh Levin. It's crazy. Yeah. If he had made it to stage three, who knows? Who, he could have won the whole thing. I think this guy is really, really good, but like he's just getting buried. Yeah, I think that uh, Josh needs his buddy from MIT to recover from his injury and come back because I feel like they really liked like their best friends in Boston. They go to college or whatever. So without him, I think that they just totally left uh, Josh Levin out to dry. I guess so. I mean, like the last package we got from Josh Levin was all about his friend from MIT. Right. Like it wasn't even about Josh Levin. Um, I, I he must have done something to piss them off. Or maybe I, I he's know. just like so busy working for NASA or whatever he does that he was like, I can't film a package. <laughs> maybe. maybe Josh is a huge diva. We have no idea. 
Well, it's, it's again, it's weird. Like every time we see a montage, I'm just like, I'm super nervous about like the quick cycle through the three people we're going to see. Cause I'm like, well, it's just basically just, uh, you know, Russian roulette. Who's going to, who's going to show up and uh, show that they failed the course. <laughs> no chance to say goodbye. So sad. Yes. Then we got Najee Richardson, the 27 year old motivational speaker. He talked about how last year he had an asthma attack in the middle of his stage two run. Um, after he posted about it, the American Lung Association reached out to him. They uh, did some work together. But uh, because of this, the water walls are his worst nightmare. And for good reason. Yeah. And we do this cool thing where I'm like, I really hope it's not that thing that they do where they say, oh, this obstacle is my worst fear. And then they go out on that obstacle like they did a million times in stage one. Mm, yeah. Well, he does very well on the course. He uh, is skipping, skipping some rungs in the salmon ladder. Very slow and methodical take. Um, he's, uh, he's monitoring his heart rate as he goes through, uh, which I, I noted if I was, uh, if I was, if I, if I'd been in Vegas watching this in person like we were last, uh, the, the previous year, um, this would have freaked me out that he was checking his pulse. I would have been like, what is wrong? Oh. Is he like having a heart attack or something? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but obviously just trying to keep his heart rate down, trying to make sure everything is okay. Um, he makes it to the wing nuts, starts the wing nuts at about 215, which is pretty, uh, pretty normal for, uh, for these runs. Um, like I said, very, very methodical run. Uh, Akbar, very excited. Uh, I, I can't stay in this booth any longer. I'm, I'm rocking with him. I'm rocking with you, baby. I think that, uh, that Najee should have probably worn like a fitness tracker or something. Isn't it like, doesn't it take too long to check your heart rate that way? I just, I didn't think about that until you said it, but I feel like you would get a more accurate and efficient reading from like my Fitbit measures my heart rate. Definitely not accurate. Uh, those things are terrible at monitoring accurate heart rates. Rude. <laughs> um, I don't believe you. You could just, you could feel your pulse for like uh, just a couple seconds and then uh, just multiply it, you know? Uh, just have a different mul- like I know like I, I guess like the rule is like do it for 10 seconds and then multiply, multiply by, by whatever six. but yeah. you could do it like for two, se- two, two or four seconds and then uh, do a multiplier I'm sure that would be fine I um, don't believe you I think my Fitbit is very accurate I use it constantly to monitor my heart rate no I really do because I need it to keep because I have I need to keep my heart rate up because I tend to faint if my heart rate gets too low so I always need to check mine well, it's, 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 fi- it's, I think it's, it's fine in terms of like, uh, in reference to itself, you know what I mean? So like mm. it will measure if your heart rate is higher than it was before, but in terms of getting like, if you measured your heart rate through just counting the pulse, uh, as opposed to the, the Fitbit, it would probably be a little bit off, but it is consistent to itself, which is important. It's the, the same thing with like any sort of measurement that you might take at home where it's like, uh, what really matters is monitoring the difference between one number and the other. All right. Well, this is a pro fitness tracker podcast. Believe me, I, I want, I, I love the idea of fitness trackers. They just, they've constantly disappointed me. Why? What don't you like? They just never, they never work the way that you want them to. Uh, they're never accurate. Um, they, they, uh, just, uh, they're, they're never, they're never worth the hefty price. Wow, I totally disagree. I have had mine. I've never taken it off for like almost two, more than two years. I got it in May a couple years ago, uh, and I love it. Well, I think you're wrong. I think you just don't want to work with the Fitbit. <laughs> I tried. 
he makes the final dismount from the uh, the wing nuts. He's made it through one of only three people to uh, make it through the wing nuts this uh, whole season. Um, same as as last season. Uh, and uh, Akbar Akbar loves Akbar just loves uh, Naji so much. I love it. Um, he's very excited. Uh, so he starts the water wall at about. 115. This is the first time we're seeing the water walls uh, and he's having trouble with the first door. And uh, I'm, I'm getting nervous because he talked about the asthma uh, and, you know, it looks like he's, he's having trouble breathing under uh, obviously having trouble breathing <laughs> under the water, but just in general, having trouble holding his breath uh, to to open these things. And it's it seems like it's a lot heavier than he anticipated. Uh, he does finally make it through the first door, but then he can't get through the second door, at which point I am uh, writing down expletives in my notes yep. um, and uh, he finally gets the second door only 20 seconds left by the time he gets to the third door and i was just he's done he's done this is this is i hate this yep he doesn't deserve this this is awful to watch it isn't fun no part of it is fun to watch with the water obstacle even just logistically even if it was like not someone that i love getting taken out by like two seconds from this like watching them turn that wheel or whatever like you can't tell how close they are how long that's supposed to take you can't see through the water it's not a fun obstacle to watch i don't like it and as i said last week i don't like the concept of introducing an element that some people are just like viscerally not comfortable with because I understand that you don't need to be able to swim to get through this obstacle, right? Your feet can touch the bottom at any point. But if you don't know how to swim or you're not good at swimming, obviously this is going to scare you in a way that like, how can you prepare for this the way that you can prepare for the other obstacles? Yeah, uh, he does get through the third door, but uh, he just he just times out right before he's able to climb out. The buzzer is right at the top of the place where you climb out of the water. Um, and so he's just a few seconds short here. Uh, and I was uh, very, again, very disappointed in my notes here. Uh, he says uh, he just he couldn't hold his breath. It became a safety issue. He's obviously very disappointed. And this just this like frayed my nerves, like just watching this. Yeah. It was very uh like I, I i was i was shaking just watching this it was very uncomfortable yeah it's stupid and i hate it yeah and um, notice uh christine will go and ask everybody else who de- all, all two other people who got through <laughs> the uh the water obstacle she'll ask sean and drew like what did you think of this new obstacle she does not ask naji what he thought of the new obstacle <laughs> Yeah, this is when I was like, I wonder what would have happened to Chris here. Uh, this would have not yeah. been fun to watch either. Uh, but there we go. Naji, unfortunately, taken out by the new water obstacle. Man, it's a bummer. Uh, we then got another montage, starting with Angel Rodriguez, who went out on the salmon ladder. Mike Murray, who lost his grip on Deja Vu. And then Carson Voiles, who went out on the wing nuts at the exact same spot uh, as he did previously. He says, uh, ex- exact same spot. Three years in a row, dude. Yeah. Man. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've seen 15 competitors so far and no finishers, which means we are halfway through stage two. Uh, and this is about 50 minutes into the episode. And, uh, at this point I'm like, we're not getting many, uh, many, uh, stage threes, almost definitely no stage fours here. Yeah, uh, almost definitely. I was still optimistic just because stage four is so quick. Like, mm-hmm. I I still held out basically until the very end that we could possibly get Drew on stage four. 
Yeah, uh, I think the thing you tend to forget is that like um, it's not just the run that they have to do like a full five minute package about like this season on American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, but also because it's only happened once, I guess I don't really remember all of the pomp and circumstance of it. Well, really, the the real shame is that the one time it happened, it was a three hour finale. Oh, right. So a lot of people were like, oh, two hour finale. Guess nobody makes it to stage four. We can still write that off to like we had to watch two people win. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they should uh, they should really just make it longer if uh you know if it's dependent like it's just it's it's really it's really bad how obvious it is that either somebody makes it there or doesn't make it there they're really not even pretending at some point we'll we'll talk about it but um i feel like there's there's better they, they can do better here um so we uh we then see the kid matisse the kid awadi the 19 year old business student uh and Again, I I was convinced. I was like, we just saw Najee fail. Now we're finally like, this is the comeback run. Um, they've been hyping the kid up all episode long, all season long. Uh, he's he's not really a rookie because he's been training since he was 13, he says. And then we get a bunch of testimonials. Uh, here we go. Here's the kid. Mm-hmm. You're all geared up for a kid finish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's skipping some ladder rungs. He misses one side of the deja vu bar, but he does hold on. He lands the dismount from the deja vu with one leg. Uh, he lands kind of hard on the rope, uh, from swing surfer, but ends up starting the wing nuts at two minutes and 20 seconds. And, uh, he manages to make the first transition to the second wing nut, but then he loses momentum on it and he has to build the momentum back up, but he hasn't really built it all the way back up by the time he makes the jump to the third one. And so he does not get enough distance and he goes down uh and there you go the kid out in the same place as almost all of the other stage two competitors and i was just like okay that was <laughs> that that really that was it okay yeah well listen as i mentioned before i don't support uh giving large sums of money to 19 year olds so i think that this was an acceptable finish for the kid but i think that he will uh I mean, he's going to make it to stage three. I'll say, if not next season, the season after that, like almost definitely. Yeah. And and, and again, it just kind of like it it bugged me about the editing where I, I sort of realized after all this happened that like if the show had let me form my own opinion of the kid. I would have I would have loved him. Yeah. I would have been like, this is amazing. This is this rookie made it all the way to the wing nuts. Uh, looked like he might have been able to complete them, too, if he hadn't made a mistake. Um, like, this is awesome. What what an up and coming, uh, you know, competitor here. But instead, they like, like hyped him up so, so much that by the time he finished, I was like, oh, that was it. Which is which is an astonishing thing to think of a 19 year old rookie. Uh, But that was that was my reaction. And so now I'm trying to like recontextualize how I view the kid as as a competitor and as an athlete. And and it's like it's difficult because of all like the, you know, dumb hyping they've done. Yeah, but he does give a really cute hug to Christine after (laughs) their interview, which I'm sure Christine was not thrilled about being hugged by a sopping wet child. But I had the exact same thought. (laughs) This was such a 19 year old thing to do, too, where it's like uh, he's just like wraps his arm around her with like a wet arm. And uh, you can see like the daggers coming from her eyes, of course. Um, So uh, we are an hour in now. Still no stage two finishers. Um, And then we get a montage about how six 
ninjas have fallen so far on the wingnut alley. Uh, Thomas Stillings then becomes the sixth victim of Deja Vu. Mike Myers becomes the seventh and Hunter Gerard is the eighth. I and, think uh, Mike Myers was in two packages. Or did I mess? Was there also a Mike Murray or something? Is there someone with a similar name? I don't think so. Okay, well, I have his name written down twice in two packages, and I'm sure I'm wrong, but there's definitely another Mike that I was like, who are these people? Because I don't know who either of them are. Uh, well, uh, was the other Mike before or after this? Uh, before. It was in the Carson Voiles and Angel Rodriguez montage. Yeah. I, uh, uh, Mike Murray. Okay, who is that? Because <laughs> I thought they were the same person. No, Mike, Mike Murray is a uh, is a rookie. Okay, who's Mike Myers? Mike Myers is not a rookie. Oh, right, because he started in Shrek. <laughs> um. So, uh, so yes, they, they talk. Uh, Wingnut Alley taking out six people. Uh, Hunter Gerard becomes the eighth victim of Deja Vu, and there is uh, one man behind them both. Kevin Carbone has created both of these obstacles. Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, dude. Yeah, everyone must hate him. Um, but he can always take refuge in the fact that I still want him to call me. Yes. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. By the end of this uh, stage two run here, uh, the combination of the wingnuts and the deja vu will take out 21 of the 30 athletes. Jesus. Wow. Um, poor Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Poor Kevin or poor everyone else? Poor everyone else for being in Kevin's orbit. But uh, if he's single, I will still want to be around him. There you go. Next up was Sean Bryan, 33 years old. He is the last of last year's final three standing. And uh, he's got the goggles on. I feel like Sean Bryan gets more religious with every package. Possible. Apparently now he's traveling around spreading the word of his faith or something. I don't know if you can get more religious than last year's package, which was like literal choir music uh, with him like walking the hall in. in oh, the yeah. Church. Swinging that smoking thing. Yeah. That was so offensive. That's, whatever that's I pretty, just said. That's pretty peak religious, I think. Yeah, I guess I forgot about that. I, I don't know. It just seems like uh, now he's now he's like uh, doing some some kind of what do you call that missionary is it a missionary when you like go around and spread the gospel or whatever maybe a little bit okay well I mean, it's not like he's you know <laughs> traveling to foreign countries or anything yeah that's what i was thinking i don't know if that's specifically for other countries but apparently like now that's what he's doing um just seems like we get more into this every year but uh we get some nice testimonials from his parents which is a little yes. bit weird for an adult but you know i guess if you don't have like a wife or whatever yeah well, uh, he clears the salmon ladder in three moves, uh, really giving uh, R.J. Roman a, a run for his money in terms of successful salmon ladder clears. Uh, very, very uh, good there. He almost overshoots the deja vu dismount, um, which is a far cry from most other people who barely make it. Uh, so, you know, this guy, he's very, very good. They they, they don't really hype him up very much. Um, but uh, but. This for the second year in a row, he is going to clear stage two, which is very, uh, very, very impressive. Um, he has a close landing on the first wingnut transition. He does. He does look tired. I was a little worried for him here on the wingnuts, but he does make it through. He starts the water walls with a minute left. So less time than uh, than Naji, but he gets through it pretty quickly, ends up completing the course. And Matt yells divine intervention. Yeah, maybe. Or 
maybe just he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how the, much of a stake God has in American Ninja Warrior. This feels like a stage three finish. Like that's it. It was like, whoa, my God, this is amazing. Like, you know, it's, this feels like what a stage three finish should be. Yeah. <laughs> You're so bitter about this. Uh, <laughs> the disproportionate number of finishers between this and Sasuke. It's just a well, different but again, show. It's, but it's like, but it's, but it's like, but it's not about, it's not about that. It's just about like the, I, the pacing feels off. Like, uh, I think even if you haven't seen Sasuke, it, it just feels like it, it the uh, American Ninja Warrior I'm comparing it to American Ninja Warrior. This isn't how it used to be. Uh, they have systematically removed like all of what made stage two stage two in previous American Ninja Warrior courses, uh, like even down to the water walls, which like it previously was a bunch of, you know, walls that you'd lift and you'd go under them. Um, and and honestly, that was one of my favorite remaining parts of stage two, because it was the one thing that they could just like quickly go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have they have like stage three ified it where it's like now it's like, no, no, it's going to take a while. It's going to be really difficult. Um, it's like an obstacle unto itself. Uh, you know, time is not a factor, really. It's mostly just like, uh, can you get through it? Um, which is like. I don't know. It just feels like that's most of all like that's that's what most of the qualifiers are. That's what most of the city finals are. That's what uh, stage three is. It's what stage two is. Uh, It's what a lot of stage one is. Um, It's just like it's a lot of the same to me. Yeah. We know you have the million dollars to give away. You have so much money, American Ninja Warrior. You can make it a little bit easier for people to get to stage three. But and and that's the thing, too, where it's like it feels like. It, it doesn't even ha- it's not even about the difficulty level because I don't think this is necessarily more difficult. It's just that like they're lowering the the barrier where like normally the barrier is stage three. And if you uh, or really uh, at, at the start, the barrier is stage four. People can make it to stage four, but they're mostly going to fail stage four. Um, but then uh, then it kind of became stage three is the barrier, because then the second two people finally beat stage three and they just immediately beat stage four. Stage four is you know, a breeze. Um, but now it's like the barrier is more like it's stage two. And like if if you can get one of those rock climbers, through stage two then they've basically won the show uh and so it's like they're they're continually lowering the barrier uh of of like where athletes finish and i I like i'd like to i'd like to see them i'd like to see the stages get progressively more and more difficult instead of like most of them failing in one place if that makes sense yeah and i mean i do think that stage three is more difficult for most people than stage two. It's just that the last couple of years, we haven't seen the right type of athlete. We haven't seen like a lot of Wolfpack people on stage three. And like, those are the people that are more catered to stage three. Of course, I thought that Drew was going to do it. And I don't know if part of that was just like um, the focus factor from the hundred thousand dollars. He'll mention that like he was kind of like worried about his time on that um, or if it's just like the exhaustion from like having something like that water obstacle on stage three or on stage two, which like doesn't look as hard technically as something like the wing nuts. But like, I think people underestimate how, stressful and like hard on your body that is in a different way than anything else yeah i I just feel like like give me the top 10 ninjas that compete and i think that uh i think that a good 
like if, if you if you set all 10 of them on stage three, I think we'd see uh, a few a few finishers, um, you know, and set those same top 10 on stage two. And I think we would see a similar percentage of finishers, if not less. Like, I feel like uh, I feel like stage two is almost to the point where it's more difficult than stage three now, which is just like weird. Yeah, although I'm not sure because, like, remember all the testers that we saw fail on, like, testing out obstacles on stage three last year? Well, it was, it, they all failed in, in one spot that yeah. was then redesigned. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, I, yeah, the answer obviously, I don't think is making stage three harder, but I agree with you that, like, stage two should, I, it doesn't even need to be easier. It just needs to be, like, I don't know, different. Like, there's no exactly. part of it that I'm pointing to that is like, oh, this is too hard. Like, maybe the wing nuts, but like, I really think that a lot of the people who could have done the wing nuts this year, now that they were more prepared for it, knowing how bad it was last year, uh, were taken out on deja vu before they got there. Right. And that's exactly what I mean, where it's like, I think that like all of these were I don't I don't I don't think the difficulty level is too much. I think that it's just that it's it's disappointing to watch the same kinds of obstacles over and over mm-hmm. and and then watching, you know, the a lot of these sort of luck based, you know, more variant uh, obstacles where it's like there's, uh, you know, it's just a little thing that goes wrong and you go into the water. There's a lot of those and those those take out so many of the good athletes that could make it to these other stages. So it's like um, I actually uh, I watched uh, Joe Moravsky tested out stage two and stage three um, and he ended up going down on the wing nuts uh, on stage two because as he was transferring over hit one of his feet uh kicked uh the the wing nut mm-hmm. and you know knocked it over and then it, so his hands couldn't land on the thing and he went down it's like if he had gone down there it, it would have <laughs> like it got, it, there's so much so much variance that goes into just like being able to complete these things which is fine uh but it just like i don't know so, something is going wrong because this has happened uh two years in a row now where it's just it's been like a, a disappointing finish and uh i don't even remember what what happened on uh on season eight. Oh, <laughs> that was so long ago i guess we did recap that season um I don't know. It was Drew made it the furthest. Um, but I, and I feel like it was, it was Drew, um, Joe, I think also. Yeah. Season eight was, there were two people that made it to stage three. Mm -hmm. It was Drew and Daniel Gill. Oh, right. TVT. I really don't think of Daniel Gill as like a stage three guy. (laughs) Well, he is. Yeah. Um, but, it, but so it's, so ever since ever, it, it really, it feels like they're scared to let people on stage three and four now, yeah. ever since the, the, the winners, um, because there have never been more, there were two stage three competitors in season eight, three in season nine, and then two again in season 10. And it's, that just, that that's not, we, it, and I think part of it too, is that like, we go through 12, two hour episodes just to get to this point and it's once a year and it's like we are like the athletes where it's like we've been training by watching these <laughs> these this build up all Putting year in our dues. and then uh just like that like we don't even get to see more than three obstacles on stage three yeah it's like that's what we watch the show for is to to see these things finally be taken on um 
and then it doesn't happen. A&W, we're trying to restore the integrity of your show. Hire us as consultants. And Taryn will tell you when there's like a screenshot malfunctions or whatever you're always complaining about. That's true. Um, and I, I, like, I, I, I'm sorry. I, hopefully, if you were a little frustrated with this finale uh, as I was, then then you're sort of uh, appreciating this. <laughs> and if you loved it and you think that I'm uh, being a whiny baby, then uh, then I apologize. But it's uh, just <laughs> how I feel. We're here to be honest. Plus, this is the longest we've ever consecutively stayed on topic, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. Um, so Sean Bryan manages to complete stage two. This is his second straight stage two finish. Very impressive stuff. Um, then we got Zach Day, the 19-year-old college student. He is the commercial run. Um, he makes a save on Deja Vu, looking pretty strong on the wing nuts, but flips off in the usual spot. That third wing nut his grip gives out. Um, then we got Adam Rail, the 25-year-old uh, man. Again, just like these these little things, just keep knocking out the uh, the few contenders that we have left. Uh, he gets through catch and release ten seconds. He gets onto the salmon ladder, up it quickly. Uh, as he goes to transition to the uh, the original side, the second transition, he accidentally knocks one side of the bar off just because he's adjusting his grip. Uh, and he's a heavy guy, and he's very strong, and so he go, he's adjusting his grip, he grabs onto the bar, and it just lifts it up and right over the hook, and down he goes. And there you go. This this completely shocked me. I, I was not prepared for this to happen. They say that Adam Rail got derailed. I'm surprised they haven't Ooh. used that one before. Yeah. Well, luckily they didn't montage this, so we didn't have to hear that. Uh-huh. Then we got Austin Gray, the 21-year-old ninja coach. Uh, we got the... Uh, again, it's like... I like this guy. I liked the package the first time I saw it. I don't know why we're seeing the same package uh, at, in the finale episode. Yeah, if you don't remember, this is the guy who gave his kidney to his friend. But not the yes. guy whose daughter got a kidney from the show. No. Okay, keep your kidney people straight here. But Austin Gray, this is the third time we have heard and seen the footage uh, about him giving a kidney to his friend. Yes, uh, he basically the only more the only amount of further information we get from this is that uh, he, re he recovered very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, congrats. <laughs> Muzzle, Austin, you've got a very strong bod. Yes. Um, so he starts off and then uh, as he's starting the course, they mention uh, he trains with Ian Dory. And I was like, oh, that's why he's so good. I was like, where did this kid come from? OK, he trains with the OK, now I get it. Mm -hmm. And he uh, he out did Ian Dory this season. It's true. weird. Uh, but unfortunately, it took something like five tries to get the bar locked on catch and release. Uh, so by the time he gets to the salmon ladder, he's looking very tired and his grip is going to finally give out on the first deja vu swing. And I was like, oh, my God, we haven't even previewed Drew Dreschel yet. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you're like Drew Dreschel has to be the star of this episode yeah. right like who else is it gonna be i guess uh, by the time we're through jamie ron at that point i'm like it's gotta be drew mm. so we get another montage starting with eric middleton he had worms for matt Knockbar they were mealworms 
Yes, uh, if he had beaten stage two, but he did not. He went down on Deja Vu. He got slammed in the face by the bar, had a bloody nose. This guy has the worst luck with obstacles. He really does. That's probably Matt Knockbar put out a hit on him so that they wouldn't have to eat those wriggling mealworms. Did you ever have to... Um, I'm guessing I know the answer to this because I learn as I get older that my school was weird. But did you ever have to take care of a mealworm as a, a school assignment? No. We had to, but I, I don't for the life of me know why. Um, but we, for science class, had to like take home a mealworm and like get it through its like pupa phase or whatever. And it was like kind of gross because I just had like this worm in my room. That sounds pretty gross. Yeah, they ate like it was on like a bed of oats and it ate like little apple pieces. Um, and it was like icky when it was in its pupa because if you touch the pupa, it like wriggled around. But then I don't know what it like became because it wasn't a butterfly. I don't think. Oh, we did take care of a a butterfly thing, a caterpillar the, that turned into a butterfly. Uh-huh. A caterpillar is what I call a butterfly thing. Yeah. But you each had to do it? No, it was like a class butterfly. What did you name the class butterfly? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I did not care about the butterfly. Yeah, it was weird because we had that. But the year before we had a crayfish, which to me is more responsibility than a mealworm. I would not know. Okay. I haven't taken care of either. <laughs> well, a crayfish is like, I don't know. That's like a, a real animal that has like, I don't know, a heart. Oh, a real animal. Whoa, okay. I didn't know uh, we were gatekeeping here. Uh, didn't we argue recently about whether or not bugs were animals and you thought that they weren't? I was arguing against you. Well, they're not. Yes, they are. But I'm just saying like a crayfish. How are we flip-flopping in one one sentence? A crayfish is like, uh, um, I don't know. I had to like actually feed it rather than just like put something in the, like I would just put a little apple slice for my mealworm. But the crayfish was kind of gross because you had to put tuna fish on a, like you had to pick it up with tweezers and then like put it in its mouth. Ew. Yeah, it was kind of gross, especially because I don't even eat tuna fish. So I was yeah. like, you're... It was mostly the tuna fish that was making me go, yeah. Yeah, tuna fish is gross. Um, and like picking it up with tweezers and sticking it into like its gross little bug mouth, like crayfish mouth, was like mm. kind of gross. But I did it and it survived and I let it go in a, in a creek in Frick Park. And for all I know, it's still alive. This was um, 13 years ago, but I think it's probably just like grown to gargantuan size and terrorizes the park. You could maybe say that. It was very powerful. He was named after um, the Survivor Merge tribe at the time. It was Survivor Panama, so its name was Gitanos. Wow. Every, it's very impressive. <laughs> every uh, Everything in my life, I can know exactly what year it happened based on what Survivor season was airing while that mm. thing occurred. So it's a handy trick. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, uh, Matt Nosbar did not eat Lita's mealworm uh, because <laughs> Eric Middleton went down. Uh, Drew Knopp is the next person in the montage. He went down at the usual wingnut alley spot, that third wingnut. Uh, and then Ethan Swanson went out at the first wingnut transition. Then we got to Jamie Ron, 30 years old, his eighth year competing. And uh, we get another recap of the episode we just watched um, where he did his uh, barefoot stage one run of 
Back in the olden days of history, when Jamie Ron competed in stage one on American Ninja Warrior 10, uh, his shoes fell off and then he was running barefoot. Yeah, that's that is what we just watched last week. Yeah, but do you remember that time? Whatever it was. Do you remember? I guess so. No shoes, no shirt, no problem. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you get the gist of it. By the first preview, then we get like two more previews and then a full recap of what we just saw the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, the most impressive part of Jamie Ron's stage two run here was that um, someone has a sign in the audience that says superheroes don't wear shoes, which means that somebody went home after the first night, whether this was a production person that handed it to a person or whatever, or if that person actually made it, they went home after that night and then crafted this sign. They just like had craft supplies at their hotel room and made this sign. And then brought it to the next one. There you go. I mean, that's commitment. Like you're out all night. I definitely did not want to craft the day between uh, between tapings. I I mean, it doesn't seem that difficult. But (laughs) but why would you have that? Just like have all the glitter in your room. This is. I mean, (laughs) you seem like a marker. No, it was like it was like a it was a whole thing. Well. I mean, if they had one sign that they made for the first night, then surely they already have the supplies to make another sign. Maybe. I'm just saying uh, I appreciate the effort from that person, whomever it was, to make a personalized sign in between first and second nights. All right. I'm always pointing out the signage. I think it's important to recognize people's efforts. Okay. Well, Jamie Ron has never made it to stage three. Uh, he has an awkward dismount from catch and release. Bad momentum on the dismount for Deja Vu. Uh, that final dismount on Deja Vu, it can really uh, mess with your momentum when you go off and then you land awkwardly um, and you have to build momentum back up. So that's what he has to do there. Um, but he makes it through. Kind of had a rough run so far. Uh, about two minutes and 45 seconds by the time he gets to the swing surfer. Starts the wing nuts at 2.15 and then is not able to make the grab in the first transition of the wing nuts. And that's going to be it for Jamie Ron's season. Yeah, RIP. I honestly thought that he was wasting too much time, which is when I realized that four and a half minutes is way too long because I like they sometimes don't show the clock and he's like throwing a heart to his wife and stuff. And I was like, man, what are you doing? Like Najee ran out of time. You're going to run out of time. And then when the clock was on for uh, when he got to the wing nuts, I was like, oh, no, he's fine. It's just like, like, do you remember like watching the USA versus the world and Sean McCall is like racing through stage two yeah. because time actually mattered in a timed competition. And also like this, the time limit was like two minutes or something in the regular season at that point. And it was like thrilling to watch him try to beat the clock and get through these obstacles quickly. It's just like, there's, we get none of that anymore. And it's, uh, it's disappointing. Yeah. We have people um, like pandering in between obstacles. Yeah. Uh, so then we finally get the Drew preview. 
Um, Drew's coming up next. There's only three runs left in stage two. We've seen every one of them so far. Uh, we then get a quick montage of the other two. Jonathan Stevens, who's hit three buzzers this season, goes down at the salmon ladder, just uh, a slip there. And then Brian Burkhart is out on the first Wingnut Alley transition. And the final run of stage two is Drew Dreschel, the 29-year-old gym owner. And uh, this is when we get a recap of what happened to him last year on the Wingnuts, where he uh, gets, you know, his his uh, his arm goes dead uh, because he overshoots it and uh, he's got the goggles on. Yeah, but this time it's uh, not a curse. Yes. Um, and he makes this course look easy. Um, he uh, quickly gets through uh, up the salmon ladder. Uh, he does, you know, one side does go off on the deja vu, but he quickly corrects it. He also loses momentum on the deja vu dismount, uh, where like most people that would then have to build momentum up in order to properly dismount because that was a difficult dismount. He completely lost his momentum and then in one quick move built it up from like. He's basically, uh, you know, halfway already halfway through the swing. He's a, this guy is so good at this. He's able to build up the momentum and then make an easy dismount uh, from Deja Vu. Uh, seriously impressive. Um, he gets to the wing nuts at uh, two minutes and 50 seconds, uh, takes a 50 second break, um, uh, starts the wing nuts at two minutes and just makes it look easy. Uh, you know, still, al- still almost overshooting ma- many of the, uh, the jumps here, but, uh, gets through very, very easily. Starts with the water walls at a minute and 20 seconds. Um, really quickly through the water walls as well. Akbar says, you aqua ninja. And, uh, and Matt is like, what power? <laughs> oh, they love him. <laughs> yes. Uh, and there you go. Um, Drew completes stage two, one of two finishers. And I was like, man, <laughs> let's let's assume that Joe doesn't have his uh, his accident in stage one and the water obstacle doesn't screw Najee. Like take out a couple of like take out uh, a couple of Joe's small mistakes from this season, a couple of uh, Drew's small mistakes from last season and uh, and take out this whole water thing screwing Najee. And we're basically at the exact same spot as last year. Yeah. Um, plus Drew. <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's, it's like the same, the same people, uh, but minus oh, just a, yeah, yeah. a couple of small mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, I mean, this is, uh, that's the final four I think that, uh, we deserve. That's the Mount Rushmore of current American Ninja Warrior contestants, I would say. Yeah. Uh, plus, uh, plus Dan- Daniel Gill, who, uh, also had a small mistake here. Yeah, but now he's made small mistakes two years in a row. So he's kicked <laughs> off the mountain. There's only four people um, on Mount Rushmore, Taryn. That's true. That's true. So these uh, are the four. And so at the very least, at least uh, stage two is doing its job of uh, getting them all to the top. We just need to see it happen all in one season. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the end of stage two, 10 people were taken out by Deja Vu. 11 were taken out by the Wingnuts. Five were taken out by Salmon Ladder. Jake Murray went out at Catch and Release. Najee went out at the Water Walls. And then, of course, uh, Drew and Sean completed the course. That's uh, that's how we end, uh, end stage two. Yeah. So then we get to stage three, which... Uh, <laughs> I don't think I even need to go through this, these obstacles except for the first four, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, the last ones don't matter. 
Uh, it starts with the floating boards, as we all know. Uh, you just you grab onto these uh, floating boards and you go across the edges of them. Then we have on guard, which is uh, a, a very scary obstacle for stage three, where basically you uh, you have a bar that expands and contracts. And they did not properly explain this until <laughs> after Sean Bryan was already halfway through it. Um, but you uh, you can bring it together and 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 uh, pull it apart. And so you have to go across these rails and then jump it to the next set of rails. Uh, but then there's uh, there's two like little walls on the sides that you have to uh, uh, contract the bar so that it's small enough to fit through the walls and then expand it again out to the uh, the rails again. Um, so, again, very, very, uh, very scary obstacle here. Yeah, I thought that this was going to be um, when I first saw it, I thought it was going to be that uh, wedge thing that Brian Arnold hates. Uh, and I was like, no, this is not a stage three obstacle. Uh, but this was significantly less finicky than that one. Yes. Uh, nobody seemed to have uh, too many issues with it. Uh, and of course, by nobody, I mean, <laughs> Sean, Drew, and I did see Joe uh, do this one, too. So, uh-huh. um, so uh, then we got the crazy clocks, which we saw in one of the uh, city uh, finals, I believe, uh, which is basically the same same obstacle. And then a redesigned ultimate cliffhanger, uh, which I thought was just an aesthetic thing, but uh, it was not actually just an aesthetic thing, uh, which we will talk about. Then the the, uh, the, uh, the obstacles that we did not see, the curved body prop, uh, the peg cloud, um, cane lane was added and then flying uh, the flying bar, which is the final obstacle, which, man, uh, I would uh, I would love to see somebody uh, take the last time we and they even when we saw the flying bar, they were they showed the footage of Jeff Britton on the flying bar, which is. I was like, man, that footage of Jeff Britton is so good. And then I remembered nobody has been on the flying bar since Jeff Britton. And that made me really sad. <laughs> At first it was like, oh, great choice to illustrate this. I was like, oh, only choice. Yes. Sad. Um, so first up here, Sean Bryan, he's hit four buzzers this season. Uh, this is his second straight stage three appearance, which is impressive stuff. Uh, he joins an elite club here. Only, uh, only Joe drew Paul Casimir and David Campbell have ever, uh, completed this stat of, uh, two straight stage three appearances. Wow. Iconic. Yeah. Um, then uh, we, uh, he got to, uh, on guard. He manages to get through there. He gets to the ultimate cliffhanger. And uh, at this point, I, I I've completely run out of hope that we're seeing stage four. Um, I was like, this, this is it. Uh, he practically reaches across the back, uh, the jump to the back uh, half of the cliffhanger. So I was like, they must have made this easier because so many people failed last year. Um, and so then he goes to make the uh, the second jump back to the original side of the cliffhanger, the final jump. All he has to do after that point is step off of it. Um, but he uh, he hits it. He lands. His, his fingers are there, but he just can't hold on. He goes down into the water and uh, and that's it for Sean. Going to go out on the cliffhanger once again. Yep. <laughs> it's I love the body prop and we didn't get it in any qualifying or city's finals. Am I wrong? You are not. wrong. Yeah. So uh, rude, Sean Bryan, to not get through this. <laughs> <laughs> for for uh, that reason. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it's just disappointing. At this point, I have uh, stopped fast forwarding commercials and am not looking at uh, how much time is left. So I still am maintaining a modicum of optimism. <laughs> 
Yes. Well, uh, I, I I wrote. It seems like they've made the cliffhanger easier. Um, but again, I was going to later figure out maybe not the case. Uh, but he was happy that there was some progress uh, there for him at least with the cliffhanger. Um, he made it a little further on that obstacle. So, yeah, making that uh, blind transition is no joke at all. Mm. Uh, he's uh, he is he does not expect his uh, his his progress to hold up. He says Drew is a beast. He's going to he's definitely going to beat him. Um, so he's not he's not expecting to win this money. Yeah. Self-aware legend. Yes. Uh, so an hour and 50 into the episode, we're going to a commercial. Uh, I was like, OK, <laughs> thanks. He's not even going to make it very far, is he? <laughs> Uh, because then we open up and it's like this season on American Ninja Warrior. And I was like, come on, at least pretend that this is not your last. At least for people who are not paying attention to the time. Don't give us a season recap before Drew's stage three run. <laughs> uh, like, uh, come on here. Hey, man, not everybody are edit raiders. <laughs> Uh, well, all Drew needs to do to get the $100,000 is get through cl- crazy, cl- the crazy clocks faster than a minute and 28 seconds. And uh, he is going to do that pretty easily. Yeah, he asked his wife, uh, his girlfriend, uh, am I good on time? It's like, yeah, you're yeah. very good. I loved how she responded to this, too. It was just a very cool, like, OK, with her hands. Like, <laughs> yeah, I. uh I just got some money here. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I am getting a really nice vacation. (laughs) I am pretty pumped about this. Um, So then he takes on the cliffhanger. He's getting through it pretty easily and then falls in the exact same spot as Sean Bryan. And I was like, okay, okay. What's like, what's going on here? And so I, I looked and last year, I actually commented on this before that they had made these jumps a lot easier because last year, if you go and you look at the footage, there is a significant lip on the uh, the cliffhanger bars where they come out and then there's a there's a bump that you can grab onto. And so when they make that final jump, uh, it's it's significantly easier uh, this year. It was the regular like old old school cliffhanger where it's just a square, uh, you know, uh, or rectangular sort of uh, no no lip, a very thin um, sort of thing. So I don't know if maybe they weren't expecting it or they just weren't used to having to make these jumps without the lip there. But obviously it's it's uh, much more difficult to make this jump uh, when there's no lip to grab onto. So uh, both Sean and Drew, they had like again, like they kind of overshot the jump a bit. And so there was a, a lot of force going down as they grabbed onto this this cliffhanger. And if it had been the, the old style or the style that they had last year, I think they both would have been fine. But uh, because it was the the uh, the more difficult style, it did not work out for them. Um, like I said, I watched Joe. Uh, there was he posted on his YouTube channel uh, footage of him going through uh, stage two and three, and he was able to make this jump. Uh, his jump was a lot. Uh, more like uh, low key. Uh, he made a more straight uh, and light jump onto this one. Probably uh, he had a better idea of what to expect from this thing. This is a this is the spot where Joe fell. I think something like three times in a row. Uh, with the first uh, couple times that he made it to stage three. So I think he probably respects it a lot more. Um, but uh, this is, I believe, what uh, what ended uh, our runs here in stage three. This uh, this change in the cliffhanger bar. Dang. 
that is some impressive observation and deduction. (laughs) I was just like, that thing looks impossible. So that makes sense that they went out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so there it is. Drew's going to go down. He says he was rushing and should have just rested some more, but he was uh, a little concerned about the 100K. So um, he was like, he just wanted to make sure he got that. And then uh, I think was uh, maybe a little bit distracted. And that's maybe why he wasn't thinking about the uh, the bar. I also would be distracted if I just won a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Christine says last year you were so upset this year you're smiling. What's, <laughs> what's the difference? Gee, what could possibly be the difference between this year and last year? And he had the gall to say anything but a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> he was like, I feel great. Like, yeah, I, I wonder why. <laughs> Good for Drew. I'm very happy for him. Uh, but obviously, $100,000 is the difference. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to seem above that. Uh, those material comforts. He just wanted the satisfaction of a good season. Yes. Um, so there it is. That is going to end season 10 of American Ninja Warrior. Drew is our last man standing. Yeah. And I'm, he's going to win a uh, $100,000. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad it's someone that has been the last man standing before. Right. Because like yes. it feels like these people have a right to be like, man, now you introduce that. Like the Joes and the Drews of the world who have been that person before. Um, so I'm glad that there was some uh, a little bit of justice for someone who has been that person. Yeah, uh, you know, if it was going to be anyone, I am uh, I'm glad it was Drew. Uh, you know, I would have also been OK. Uh, Joe would have been an acceptable answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anybody that I trust to be fiscally responsible. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, it, 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 this does sort of uh, take take a little bit of the pain away. Um, so I, I'm glad they introduced this this rule. Yeah, it still does happen with such a fizzle as opposed to the bang of winning a million dollars and having the fire and the the sparklers and stuff. Yes. Um, you know, especially just like the whole way it's again, it's just like for the third season in a row, uh, we have a very, very similar outcome. Yeah, man. I really hope Jesse can compete next year. <laughs> It was uh, it was missing a whole element, not having any women on stage two, even just having one last year. Uh, I felt like introduced a whole a whole extra layer to it. Yeah. Um, so there we go. We did uh, we did draft some teams last episode. Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> we was already <laughs> laughing. So uh, just to refresh, uh, Lita's team was the kid. Chris Wolcheski, Jamie Ron, Jake Murray, and Ethan Swanson. My team was Drew Dreschel, Najee Richardson, Daniel Gill, Adam Rail, and Sean Bryan. Uh, so if you uh, if you want the uh, the notes here, I got uh, uh, first, second, and third place with Drew, Sean, and Najee. Uh huh. Um, so that was pretty good. And uh, then of course uh, Daniel Gill went out on Deja Vu, and Adam Rail went out on the Salmon Ladder. And then uh, all of your uh, athletes went out on the wing nuts, except for Jake Murray, who went out on the catch and release. I'm consistent. Um, but also reminder, Taryn had first pick. Uh, obviously, I would have taken Drew. 
Yeah. Uh, like I said, I was feeling pretty good about my team last week. Yeah, I thought I really thought Sean Bryan was too under edited to be one of only four people to go to stage two twice. I feel like they just under edited him no matter what. Yeah, I guess so. And I feel like that just has to be the case at this point. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. I'll take first pick next year. <laughs> Should have yeah, done a for, snake for draft. The record, for the record, you offered Drew up, yeah, uh, or the first pick up. No, you, I totally you, did. You were like you go first. <laughs> and uh, if we had had, if I had thought about it for more than one second, it obviously should have been a snake draft. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, it wouldn't have mattered. It, yeah, it wouldn't have mattered because I would have taken Najee before Sean. Yeah. Um, so there we go. That is, uh, that is the end of our season. We will be back, of course, next season. We'll have some fun. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe complain some more by the end of the season. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of off season ninja stuff. So we're never really gone for too long. Um, but you know, we're not going to podcast about like Beastmaster or anything like that, but maybe no, we'll do. I didn't even watch the third season. Oh, me neither. My friend texted me like, oh, Ultimate Beastmaster aired. And I was like, there's another one? Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Seems like it's, it's always on. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll do something else in the off season. We're definitely still doing Big Brother uh, yeah. for next week. Yeah. Uh, a few more weeks of Big Brother left. You can always find me on Twitch. Have a lot of fun there. Yeah, you can't find me there. Um, but you can find me uh, doing So You Think and Dance. I'm such a responsible podcaster. I thought the finale was last week. It was actually last night. So we're recording it uh, tomorrow. So that will be out. Um, also, um, just a, a fun thing that I always forget to plug. Um, I am the scorekeeper for the Survivor Fantasizer League. And uh, we just set that up. And so I'm your go-to person uh, on any questions on that. Um, and yeah, sign up for that. It's Fantasizer. Um, F-A-N-T-I-S. Nope. <laughs> Hang on. F-A-N-T-A-S-I-Z-R. It's hard to spell because it's not a real word, not because I'm a bad speller. Um, Fantasizer.com. Um, so you can sign up uh, for Survivor Drafts there, and it's very fun. Yeah, and I am the uh, the current undefeated uh, champion of our nine-person uh, nine Survivor Drafts, no? Uh, you're not, For you're not an undefeated champion. <laughs> you didn't win both years that we've done it, but you are. No, I won. I won both years that we did it. What are you talking about? Wait, you did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I knew you won this year. I was really, uh, rooting against you because you had both Dominic and Wendell and that felt very unfair. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I had, um, I had Wendell in the fantasizer draft. I had Dominic in the, uh, the, LFC draft. Oh, right, right. Well, either way, uh, yeah, you are the uh, you are the current reigning champion. That's true. Um, so, yeah, you can be like Taryn and uh, win and brag about it. Um, well, apparently I need to because people forget. <laughs> I really did forget. I'm in like a lot of uh, I'm in a lot of these things. So because I had I had been uh, before, too. Yeah. See, I'm always rooting against your team because you always have somebody that I don't want. I was uh, I was a Wendell supporter, so that was fine. But I was rooting against your LFC draft team. You finally lost that one, right? Yes. Okay, there we go. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. 
<laughs> I'm always just trying to uh, to take credit away from you. Well, really, the unreported story here is that all of my winning power has gone into these uh, these more difficult drafts. With uh, I had I only have two people. There's like uh, there's like eight other people that I'm competing against, <laughs> and uh, and I win those back to back to back. Um, and then it's these uh, these easy uh, four player drafts that I'm the I'm, I'm wasting all of my energies. Uh huh. How are you doing on the Big Brother one? <laughs> Not great. <laughs> We've uh, sapped all your power. Um, anyway, yeah, sign up for that. Um, and uh, I don't know. Anything else we got going on? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes in the off season. Um, yeah. And follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, for anyone that uh, that cares, uh, gave this season a six out of ten. Oh, <laughs> what's the highest rated Ninja War- American Ninja Warrior season? Um, it's. Hold on, I've got to, I've got to go to my ratings here. Okay, I'm interested in this. It's it, season seven is definitely going to be uh, up there. That makes sense. With a shot. Is this on your homemade ranking system? Well, no, actually, no. Uh, this is on Tracked.tv. Okay, sure, whatever that is. It's the 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 uh, system I use for TV and movies. Okay, makes sense because IMDb sucks. Yes, I I transferred from IMDb. Uh huh. Because it does indeed suck. <laughs> That's what I've heard from you. <laughs> um, but it's a lot of fun. You can rate uh, episodes and seasons of shows as well as the show as a whole. So I, rep- I, uh, I rate every single episode and every single season. Jesus. What was the best episode of this season? Um, probably the, uh, the last week's episode. Ah, stage one, part two, a classic. Mm. <laughs> Jamie Ron ran without his shoes, remember? Yeah. Um, yeah. The first two seasons I was a big fan of. Third season I was not. Uh, first two seasons were sevens, um, and then uh, season seven through nine were sevens, and then this one was a six, and others were sixes. Hmm. Uh, Casey's first season was season six, correct? Um, I think so. Okay, so that was my first season. So that's the one that I think the most fondly of. Yeah. But also the season that I felt most confused during because I didn't understand during that entire season that uh there it was possible for there to not be a winner and in <laughs> fact hadn't been a winner. Yeah. Cuz I was just like what do they mean the first American in- they could be the first American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Um but then I caught on. I guess I should watch some of these old seasons eventually. At some point but whatever. Um, yeah. So find us on Twitter. I'm Lita tweeted and on Instagram at Lita ground. All right. I'm at Armstrong Taren. That's all. I'm sad. I don't want the, I don't want the season to end. Yes, but it is. It's over. All right. All right. Thanks guys so much for hanging out with us this season. It's been, uh, it might, it may have only been a six out of 10, uh, season of American Ninja Warrior, but, uh, 10 out of 10 podcasting. Because I wasn't there for most of it? Yes. Because <laughs> we had to do so many fewer episodes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, seriously, everyone, uh, for joining us this season. We will, of course, see you. Good morning, everyone. I've got a question to ask. Do you want to be a ninja? Because they're not that strong 